0: Let's all stand together. Let's worship together. Come on, lift your voice. When all There's nothing to fear now For I am safe with you Come on, lift your voice So when I fight, I fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you Every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night oh God the battle belongs to you and if you are for me you can be against me for Jesus there's nothing There's nothing. All I see are the ashes. You see. The- We believe that, God. We believe that, God. God, thank you that you're for us. You're not against us. You have our lives in your hands. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me. Now, you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out yes I will lift you high in all- sin can be moved They say these chains will never break And God, this morning, we're here to lift up the name of Jesus above anything else, God. Every breath that we have in our lungs this morning came from you, so we just return it back to you, God, in praise and worship. Thank you for hearing these songs of love from our hearts, God. Thank you for being faithful to us. We trust in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. amen. It was great worshiping together. You can take a seat.
1: Well, hey, everyone. So glad you made it this weekend to Parkview. It's kind of a big weekend, right? Things kind of make sense. It's Super Bowl weekend, which is pretty good. We are, you know, kind of going through a little bit of a downtrend because, again, the Bears are not in it, right? Uh, But, you know, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, which also makes this weekend kind of good. And Chick-fil-A is open now. So there you go. Things things are feeling pretty good. You know, uh, there is some incredible things happening this weekend, not only just in our community and around the nation, but here even at our church, uh, God's doing some incredible stuff, and we're so thrilled that you're here. And if you're curious about how to stay connected with us or to stay in step with us from week to week, the best way you can do that is going to parkfeedchurch.com info uh, to stay up to date and to know all that's taking place here at our church. Uh, recently, we had a chance Uh, to do an event where we invited folks to come and check out Parkview for the first time, answer some questions, and we're going to do this again. Uh, Everybody say Sunday, February 27th. You got it. Okay, Discover Parkview. It's an event where people come and check out the church, uh, get any questions you have answered, get a chance to meet our staff. I'll be there. would love to meet you too. And so if you are newer to our church and just curious how to get connected and to learn more about uh, being here at Parkview, we would love to invite you to that. Again, it's Sunday, December, or Sunday, February 27th, called Discover Parkview. Uh, we've got another incredible event coming up. It's called Alpha. And uh, we, as a church, have launched a program where we are doing some Bible study sessions in our local bars, which is a pretty cool experience for us uh, because we've had a chance to reach some folks in our community that may not be uh, comfortable walking into the church, but they would meet us at a bar and have a conversation about God and faith. And it's been an incredible experience We've seen a lot of people connect to it, and that experience is launching again March 15th. Registration is online, and maybe it's not for you, but maybe it's for someone you know who might be interested in learning more about God and their faith. Check that out. It's called Alpha. We would love for you to be a part of that. And then on your way out, you're going to be given an opportunity to grab a list of items for our annual Give Hope Baby Drive. We do this every year. Uh, We partner with some local ministries here in our community to help moms in need. And we're going to do that again this weekend and next weekend. So as you leave, you can grab one of those lists uh, this week, uh, pick up some of those items, and then bring them back next weekend uh, to help reach uh, some moms who are in need here in our community. And if you've been around for the last couple of weeks, then you know uh, we're in a series called How to Be a Better Human. Uh, it's a conversation we're having uh, about the fruits of the Spirit and how to have those fruits show up in our lives more frequently. And if you've heard Pastor Tim recently, then you know we as a church have decided to come along some folks who are interested in taking a new step with counseling. And so maybe you don't know this, but 284 people have already taken us up on our invitation to cover that first counseling session, which is incredible. And so I just got to say thank you for that, because you know what? We didn't plan on doing this. it's is just something God kind of birthed in our hearts And so it wasn't necessarily part of our annual budget, but so many of you have chosen to give and step up and support the ministry here at the church, and we've been able to help a lot of people do that. So thank you for doing that. If you're curious on how to give or be a part of what God's doing here, you can do that a couple ways. You could just text the word "give" to six five six four nine. You could grab one of those uh, envelopes on the seat back in front of you, uh, or you can go online throughout the service to give. However you do that, we're really thrilled that you get to be a part of what God is doing here. As I said, it's Super Bowl weekend. We love hearing what Pastor Tim predicts, because sometimes he's right and sometimes he's wrong. Uh, But we get a chance now to go back and see some of his previous addictions, so check that out. Really glad that you're here at Parkview. Enjoy the rest of the service.
2: And before we get started, of course, it's Super Bowl weekend, so I do have my yearly Super Bowl prophecy. Prophecy. I'm going to predict that the Giants are going to win, okay? Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Amen. So there you have it, okay? Super Bowl prediction 2012. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom, yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable are you than the birds? So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Consider the Ravens. I don't know what that means, consider them. Three are even better for a triple Brady cord is not easily broken. So there it is, that's all I've got. You decide how much you want to bet. How does prayer work if half of the country is praying for the Panthers, and half of the country is praying for the Broncos? I mean, what is God supposed to do with that, right? Don't you want to know? They are an abomination. The eagle, the hawk, the osprey, the kite, and the falcon are an abomination to the Lord. That's what he told me. I'm just telling you what he told me. Call your bookie. The reporting the Bible, that, well, one put, church put it on their sign. I thought it was pretty good. Bible verses about eagles, 33. Bible verses about patriots, zero. So that, I wouldn't bet against Brady, but you got to decide. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, A word from the Lord, the rams go down to the goat. The chief's shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. So there you go, Park Parkview! one male goat without defect shall be slaughtered. There you have it. Chiefs win Super Bowl 55. That is my prediction. Well, clearly, uh, I am a false prophet. And to God's credit, he tried to, to tip me off by this little action that happened on stage. He's weighed down with his own stuff. His own stuff. Well, I, I think I had a concussion. That's all I can say. It's Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings. He pursued them and passed safely. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, a word from the Lord. Bet on the Bengals next weekend, I'm telling you.
3: Oh my goodness, man. Don't you love Tim's prophetic skills? I was like completely blown away. I'm watching over and over and over again. He's right. And after seeing his tracker, and honestly, I was about to grab my phone and text my wife and be like, hey, PT just called it for the Bengals. Let's uh, liquidate a little bit of the emergency fund. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't bet on anything. What's up, Parkview? My name is Kevin West, and I'm the Creative Development Director here. I'm excited to be with you today. Big shout out to everyone over at New Lenox. Homer Glenn here at Orland Park and obviously online. We've got people all over the country watching. And it's going to be a good day. It's Super Bowl Sunday, right? Game day. Is we excited for that? We can only clap so much about it. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so let's, let's, do a little, let's do a little poll here. Okay. How many Rams How many Rams people we got in the room? Who's pulling for the Rams? Make some noise. Make some noise. <laughs> Somebody's excited. Uh, what about the Bengals? Yeah? All right. There you go. There you go. You're watching PT2. You're getting your emergency fund ready. Yeah, you're, you're doing it. Um, look, let's actually make some noise for the real winner, which is right here. Yeah? You know what this is? This is my original vinyl of the Super Bowl shuffle, okay? The Bears wrote a theme song for themselves two months before they won the Super Bowl. They hadn't even played yet. How much unwavering confidence do you have to have to write a theme song and make a music video before you've actually won. It wasn't called the regular season shuffle, right? And, and we're so bad. We know we're good. You guys remember that? No? The Fridge? Punky QB? Come on, look it. This writing is brilliant, and you know it. Now, just to prove to you that I'm not just like some young guy who gets vinyls now because it's cool. This is me listening to that record <laughs> as a kid. I still dress like this around the house, and my girls just roll their eyes at me, right? Well, look, here in Chicago... We are kind of used to not always clinching a spot in the finals or even the playoffs. But when we get it, we get it, right? Yeah, you feel that? I mean, we may not make our uh, jerseys the worth, worth the price we paid for them, but, uh, but when we go after it, we go after it. And we went after it in 85,
0: and that was
1: awesome.
3: So no matter what happens today, I'm going to be eating a bunch of chips and dad dancing to this vinyl after Snoop and company do whatever the heck they're going to do during halftime. So, uh, hey, we've been in a series called How to Be a Better Human, and it's this idea that no matter where we are in life and what we have going on, there's always room to grow. No one has really truly mastered being a human except for maybe Tom Hanks, and so we look at the Bible and its wisdom on how to do it, and we're actually in a book called Galatians, and if you have a Bible with you or your Bible app, okay, go ahead and turn to it. It's Galatians 5, and if you don't, listen, just Jump on and download it right now. It's U version. It's really simple. It looks like this. You can get it on iOS or Android. It's not weird if you get your phone out and download it right now. It takes like 30 seconds. It's free, and it's going to be a great tool. So here we are in Galatians, which is in the middle of the New Testament. And it's really just a letter from one of the first Christian pastors, missionaries, Paul, to a church in Galatia, which is a modern-day suburb of Istanbul, Turkey. And at the time, though, that this letter is being written, the people that lived there were placing their faith in a variety of different gods. And they had this culture of indulgence and this relentless pursuit of freedom. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeah. So, very relevant. Uh, So, Paul appeals directly to this well-known love of freedom and independence. And I like to imagine when I read these letters in the Bible that uh, the church people have all gathered around and they're reading it together, right? And so, so they open the letter up and they're all huddled around. They're like, okay, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I'm like, all right, I like the sound of this. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And they're
0: like, yes,
3: freedom. Don't let ourselves be burdened. And they're all reading the letter and then like, There's more. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Ah, man. Humbly in love. They're they're looking around like, and then there's this list of things that we have to do, we should and should not do, and they're reading about it, and they're uh, dissensions, factions, rebellions. Who told them about the factions, right? And what Paul's really trying to do here. It shine light on some of the darker, impulsive behavior that these people had fallen into. And here at Parkview, we tried to sum it up this way. And if you've been around, you've seen this list. Anger, anxiety, impatience, meanness, selfishness, doubt, harshness, indulgence, and hatred. Sounds like someone you want to hang out with, right? Now, obviously, if we put these all together in one person, we basically become a Garfield poster in a math classroom from high school, Right? But for the most part, we are not all those things at once. You've got your stuff on this list that hits you harder than my stuff hits me. And because God is compassionate and doesn't want to leave us to just spiral out of control, he's offered his spirit to us. And as Pastor Tim has unpacked over the past few weeks, God has bigger and better plans for us. And so the letter goes on. Thankfully, it didn't end with factions. Paul writes, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so we go back to this list, right? We've paralleled this. Anger turns into joy, anxiety, peace, and so on and so on and so forth. But this is the one that we're going to talk about today. Because, as far as I can tell, this is one of the big ones. Other than love, this is the biggie. Because if we can't get around to believing in something, it's going to be tough for the rest of that list to come together. If the rest of the fruit is kind of growing up on different branches as we go up the tree, faith is right there with love, right at the base, right at the root. But it can be hard to believe, right? So right out of the gate here, I want to be really clear on what we're actually talking about. Because a lot of times we're just talking past each other in life, and and I get that. Faithfulness and faith kind of have this interesting overlap. And when we think of faith, we go, I have faith that my team is going to win today. I have faith that this will actually be good. And I have faith that they can pull it out. The 85 Bears had faith that the money they put down on the theme song and the records and the music video would actually pay off, right? Right? Faith has an action to it, and it's temporary. Faithfulness, however, is like saying, I believe in my team today. Oh, they lost? Well, I'll still believe in them. I'm going to keep believing even when they aren't winning because I am faithful. Every sports franchise, especially our Chicago ones, we got our diehard, we got our faithful. But you can't get to faithful without faith. You have to believe and then believe again and again. So really, faithfulness is faith repeated. I married my wife, Sarah, over 12 years ago. And uh, actually, ironically, I met her on the stage where I'm standing right now, which is kind of tripping me out and kind of awesome. But I told her on that day, I will love you until death. That's an act of faith. I'm not at the death part yet, thankfully, so every day that goes by, and I love her, I've been faithful to what I said I would do. But on the flip side, if I say on that day, I will love you in sickness, and every time she has a little little cough, I go see a movie with my friends, I'm a little more eh on the faithfulness. I had the act of faith on the wedding day, but over time, I'm really not that faithful. It's kind of like kindness, right? Like, you could do a kind thing. You don't need God for that. But kindness, being kind again and again, even when it's really hard, even to people who mistreat you, that's a God thing. So if faithfulness is just a rinse and repeat of faith, then let's talk about faith first. Faith can be difficult to measure, right? It's tough to qualify exactly what it is. It's, it's kind of challenging to increase, and it's nearly impossible to replicate time after time. and and like Pastor Tim talked about the light and the dark side faith's dark side is one of the most unsettling on that entire list of impulses and it's doubt doubt can sometimes masquerade as being skeptical at times it almost feels like doubt is helpful other times it's unnerving and all around doubt is a bit of a shadow game (laughs) welcome to church I hope this has all been very encouraging for you right No, not so much. But we might get there. So just for today, let's take the conversation about being faith and doubt and all that outside of the conventional terms and into something that might actually help us to track it in our lives. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It has yet to get there. So really what we're saying is that faith is confidence in an outcome. As simple as that, which would make doubt lack of confidence in an outcome. A friend told me once about his brother who was traveling out in out west in Utah in the 70s. And he came across this church building. And the parking lot is full of cars. And he doesn't see any people around, which it wouldn't be weird because maybe it's a Sunday. But it's not a Sunday. And so he's driving along and he looks up. And he sees a whole mess of people on the roof of the building. So he's like being the, you know, curious person he is. He pulls the cars over, get cars over. He gets out and he goes, yeah, what are you, what are y'all doing up there? They're like, oh, hey, Jesus is coming back. We're ready for him. <laughs> so he thinks, oh, that's cool. Um, why don't you throw me your wallet? Since you're not going to need it anymore. Can't take it with you and all that. Crickets. Yeah, that guy didn't throw his wallet. <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous is it that the guy won't toss a wallet when he thinks that Jesus is coming back that night? I mean, what has he got, like five bucks in there? And I'm guessing that when he finally tapped out at 2 a.m. and had to like, climb down the ladder off the church, church roof that that five bucks was at least good for some waffles or something. Because even the most confident, faith-filled people, they can have a little crack in the door of doubt. I laugh at that story, but then it sort of makes me sad because there's something in the back of this guy's mind that thought, I may need it. He might not be showing up. And it's that thing right there, that little crack in the door that for some people is the reason that they can't believe in this at all. You may have had faith as a child in what you read about or heard in the Bible, but you grow up and and faith can be harder to hold on to, especially over time. The virgin birth, turn the other cheek, plagues, floods, miracles, six days to make the world, and so on and so forth. This thing is full of stuff that makes people not really sure they want to toss the wallet just yet. I mean, I believe in it, right? But do I, you know, believe, believe? Well, if we're honest, we're not sure sometimes. After all, there's this one thing that we read in here that uh, makes us question some stuff, or, or we read about in a different study or an article that we found. We listened to a podcast. We watched a video. There's this issue over here in culture that's really tripping us out, and we have no idea what to do with it. We're trying to reconcile it with the Bible, and it's causing us to question everything, and we're getting pulled back and forth. The whole spin of questions and beliefs and contradictions, it's just baked into people. From the earliest human interactions with God, Adam and Eve, right? God says, do this, don't do this, or this is what's going to happen. And they can't see the future. They don't have a preview of what's ahead. They only have his word. And what happened to them, right? These two had everything, and yet they went, hmm, are you sure? Now, you might not hear this somewhere else on a Sunday, but it's okay to doubt and question everything. This is a safe place to come with your doubts and your questions because it's not the doubt that's the issue. It's actually what's at the root of the doubt and what we do with it that really matters. And I have found in my own life over and over that doubt is a weed you ever wonder why weeds grow so easily and all the good stuff is more difficult to grow? Have you noticed this? Homeowners out there, right? Weeds can grow in the middle of like a concrete patch hanging off the side of a building, out of a car. There's no perceived soil. There's no care. I mean, look at this right here. How is that happening? Meanwhile, you're looking down like, I don't know why this is there. I don't know why it's all grown on its own. Meanwhile, I'm spreading and pouring Scott's Turf Builder all around, like I'm grooming Wrigley Field, and I can't get a single sprout. You feel that way? Why is it good stuff tough to grow, and the nasty stuff just grows anywhere and everywhere? And all around you, the weeds of distress and doubt may be popping up, and you're just trying to grow some halfway decent grass and have a beverage. But weeds can grow anywhere because they have adapted to spread without care. They thrive on neglect. But you come outside, and all the little weeds get down.
0: They're like, shh, shh, shh.
3: like, oh hey, we promise we'll be good. We'll stay nice and low. And what do you do, right? You're looking down in the yard. You're like, okay. No bigger, right? Are uh, you guys going to stay down there, right? And the weeds are winking at you like, yeah, whatever you say, you know, right? And you're, you turn around and go in the house and they're all laughing at you, these little weeds. You are being played, my friends, right? Don't let these goons run your yard because I'm going to tell you what, and you know this, it doesn't take long before the whole thing is overrun. You go out there a week later, you've negotiated with the weeds, they're not supposed to grow, and you're like, I don't know where all these weeds came from. I don't get it. They told me we had an agreement. Meanwhile, all the little baby weeds have grown up and they're just blowing in the breeze. So what do you do now, right? Well, if you're like me, you're angry. You go over, you grab the weed by the stem, you yank it out, but it snaps just above the ground. And you're irritated, you don't even care. And you're like, man, stay down! You go back in the house and you feel good about yourself. You go out one week later. What happens? The little beasts are back again. Why? Because you didn't pull the root. Now, You all may have seen that coming like a mile away. But I will tell you, despite having been raised by a professional gardener, I have made this mistake over and over and over again. I'm thinking I have a weed problem when in reality I have a root problem. But what's beneath it is the reason that it popped up at all, right? It's the growth underneath that we can't see that provided the foundation for the growth that we actually can see. It's not the doubt that's the real challenge here. Doubt is just the expression of the fear that we've been lied to. Doubt is the expression of the fear that we've been lied to. Because when we're young and we're so trusting, we have no reason to think that anyone is deceiving us until they do. We don't have any reason not to believe in our prayers and in our hopes and our dreams until they don't seem to come true. And as we grow, we start to learn it's not good to just trust in people, to just trust in institutions, to trust in authority figures. Because at some point, all of these will fail to meet the expectations we have. And then what do we do? What sets in? First, it's usually sadness. But then it's anger, right? And then a measure of fear. And to protect ourselves and our hearts and our minds, we build this mound of callousness because I don't want to believe it if it's not true. What if I believe it and it turns out not to, to, be, to be true? What does that even mean for me? And how, look, it's one thing, right? To go see a movie that someone says is awesome. We all have a friend like this. The movie's awesome and you think it's going to be awesome and it turns out nah, it's not so awesome, right? Because they overhyped it Again. Now, that may mean very little to your relationship with this person other than the next time they say, I promise the next Sharknado is the best one. You can know better. But it's a whole other thing when it comes to your identity and belief in the foundation of reality. There's a God, and he loves me, and he has a plan for my life. That sounds great. Wait, what if it's not true? I don't want to get fooled. I'm not throwing my wallet off the roof for that best way to root out our doubts is to engage with them. Not to leave them in the corner in a negotiation hoping that they don't grow anymore and they stay small and they stay in the stay over there. You got to look them in the eye. You got to pull that weed root in all because when you bring that stuff into the light it gets real. This may look like getting some wisdom from a trusted friend. Like pastor chad mentioned earlier take us up on the offer for counseling you can go to that link parkviewchurch.com counseling right now you don't have to wait it's not weird get your phone out sign up if you want to do that you can reach out to a pastor here we have people who would love to engage in your doubts with you you do not have to hold back and hide in it the other thing that it may look like is getting off this 24 7 news cycle nonsense in the endless comment sections and message boards and into some content that will actually inspire faithfulness in what you actually care about versus just pulling up a screen and letting the weeds run away with your yard. We could start to pull up doubts and we can start to bring them into the light. But what are we planting in their place, right? And in fact, what what have you already planted in your own life? What outcome are you 85 bears level confident in? This world isn't necessarily too sure of many outcomes recently. At some point along the way, we only have, like, the sun will rise, gravity works, and water is probably good to drink. But notice I didn't say, what do you have faith in? Because for far too long, we've relegated faith to being this sort of mystical experience that floats inside religious people. Belief isn't useful in the modern world, we hear people say. Reason eliminates faith. Listen. God gave us reason to ground our faith, not bury it. If you're walking through a challenging season right now, looking for some sure footing, something to put your faith in and be faithful to, you might be unsure of the outcome of that faith. Because where you were once confident in your work and your career, you're not so sure. Your health... Gosh, a toss-up, right? Your relationships, your future, it all may be unknown for you, and you're not exactly sure what outcome will come across your path in the coming months. And so I know you hear me say gravity, and I joke about it, but you're like, the ground beneath my feet is unsteady. I don't know if I can count on what I've always counted on before. So what do I do with all that? I got stuff growing in my yard I don't want. I'm trying to water what little growth I can, and I'm just tired. I'm tired. When we encounter these questions and, and, and what we do with those questions, either leads us to faith or back into the fear that produced the doubt in the first place. But it's hard to be faithful when our faith is fragile. Jesus knew that faith would be fragile, He also knew it would be small. So He used one of the most brilliant metaphors in all of Scripture in Matthew he says truly I tell you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing will be impossible for you I've got one of these seeds right here can you see it (laughs) it's kind of the point right Inside each of us today is a seed of faith. It might even be smaller than this. You might just have one little toe through the door of faith today. And that's great because all we need is contained right inside of us. We are the seed. But we need to get ourselves in an environment where we can grow. Otherwise, our potential is a complete waste. If we just leave ourselves in a place where there's no light and there's no water and there's no care, Just like a plant, if we leave it in a place of neglect, then bring on the weeds. But I feel you. You're like, isn't faith about big important things in life, like the afterlife and big God stuff? How is it that faith can be small but powerful? Well, just like a small key that opens a big door. Or a little seed that grows an enormous tree. The small thing is worth a lot of value. To the person who sees it. Jesus is trying to reorient our capacity for faith, not around ourselves and our abilities and our own planned outcomes, which will fail us, not around anything temporary or physical like our health, bodies, structures, systems. All this stuff is falling apart. But the one around us who is spirit, that's what lasts. That's why this whole thing, this fruit fruit thing, it's a fruit of the Spirit, because you can't get to faithfulness without Spirit. He tried to get his followers to understand this over and over. The disciples of Jesus run into a challenge that requires some measure of faith, and they often falter. And he essentially repeats the same phrase over and over. You of little faith. I feel bad for these guys sometimes. Can't they ever get it right? It seems like what Jesus is asking his followers to do might actually require a lot of faith. And I thought that until I realized what he was preparing them for. The faith that they needed to see that Jesus could calm a storm in a boat or heal the lame and the sick and the blind and so on, that's just a mustard seed. He knew one day he would be crucified and leave the future of them and the faith, the whole thing, and the, and the faith that they would need on that day. Maybe the only way to get them ready was to rock the boat a little bit. In other places, Jesus calls his followers to have faith like a child. Many people look at religious folks, church people, right? And they go, faith equals ignorance. Got it. I've seen all I need to see. The church has already shown me enough. Choosing not to understand how the world works, faith, ignorance, don't want it. Choosing not to tolerate other people and judge others, ignorance, faith, got it. Choosing not to believe in a God who dot, 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 whatever their thought is, is faith, ignorance. But Jesus presents a view of humanity that is actually more compassionate and more wonderful than all of our knowledge could muster up. He was living in it as a human. And he's essentially saying here that the kids have it figured out. And the pain and the darkness of the world and growing older has narrowed our vision of what is possible. I know it's upside down. And I know it sounds completely backwards at times. But doesn't it ring true somewhere in you? I remember when my daughter Adeline, who's now nine, was four, And we were at the park uh, on a vacation. And and so new parks with a four-year-old is, like, amazing, right? And like all good dads, I'm pushing her to do stuff that she probably shouldn't do, hoping her mom doesn't notice. And she's a little tentative, you know, but she's also super adventurous. And so she gets up to the high platform, all the way up where the high slide is. And she wants to come down. And I said, well, jump into my arms, She gets to the edge, and I can see the processing happening. I want to jump. I know my dad will catch me, but also it's a high one. What if he drops me? I've never done this before. And the nerves kind of take over. And then I don't know what it was, but something in her snapped. And the moment she decided to jump, people, I'm telling you, I will never forget her face. It was pure joy. That thing that overcame her when she decided to jump was measurable. But she had the confidence not just to jump the big one one time, but because we had a relationship that I built into every day. From the small little pickups in the morning to swinging around the yard and goofing around together. Listen, you don't get to the big leap without all the little jumps along the way. That's why faith is small. What looks like one big leap to everybody else who's watching was built on countless little jumps so that by the time she got to the big one, it was just another game. That's how Super Bowls are won, right? It's just another game. The rest of us are all freaking out, getting excited. And for the players on the field and the coaches, the people who actually have to do this thing, If they allow the pressure to kind of flip their headspace into a different mode, they're going to psych themselves out. You hear it in their interviews. They say, what do you feel? How does it feel? How does it feel? And they're like, it's just another game. We're going to go do our thing. It's just another game. Listen, people, God is not looking for you to get in the Super Bowl big leap of faith today and make some giant thing that you've never done before. Listen, all he wants, all he wants for you is to offer him your little seed of faith today and let him do his thing. There have been people in my life with a Super Bowl shuffle level of confidence and faith in Jesus. And I'm not often there yet. I want to be. But it won't happen if I let the weeds take over. We all have weeds in our life that need some attention. And I know you probably kind of know what yours are right now. So maybe this week you could start meeting with the gardener every day. Let God direct your attention to the areas in the yard that that need pulling to make some room for the good stuff. This is where what we call at Parkview, chair time comes in. And chair time is this expression and this idea that, that if we were to spend a little bit of time sitting with Jesus in prayer, in the Bible, in thought, before the day starts, before we get engulfed in all the things, all the pressures that it would be good for our hearts, good for our spirits. Jesus is saying to us, give me this. Give me this little, little thing, and look what I could do with it. I could do a lot with a little. And we want to help you get started in this this week. We don't want to just talk about it on a Sunday. And so here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. You can opt in to get a text from us every morning for the next seven days. It's going to give you a little Bible verse, a prayer that you can pray. It's going to be short. It's going to be sweet. We want to encourage you on your journey. And look, we know it's a big deal to text us in. And we don't take that for granted. And we are going to make it worth your time. So here's what you can do. You can grab your phone. It's okay. Grab your phone. It's not weird. Grab your phone. doesn't matter if you're new in faith you got a little crack in the door, you've thrown yourself all the way into faith for a long time we can all benefit from an encouragement at the beginning of our days so I want you to text right now, text faith to 65649 we're going to give you a series of seven small little jumps of faith seven, seven little things, little thoughts, little pieces of encouragement and if you're tentative about this I understand but think about it this way When we wake up in the morning, sometimes there's stuff already waiting on our phone for us. Stuff we got to do. Things we have to take care of. And before we know it, one hour into our day, we're being pulled in a lot of directions. What What if you started your day with a little bit of encouragement? Take a moment now. Text FAITH to 65649. You're going to get that text tomorrow morning if you opted in right now. No, it doesn't give you the message right now. I just did it, just with you. But it's going to hit you tomorrow morning at the beginning of the day when you wake up. And just spend a little time reading that thing, say that little prayer, and just see what God could do with it. I forgot to actually mention this earlier, and and I should have. Um, Did you know what mustard seeds were used for in ancient times? (laughs) I'm actually really impressed if you do, so... Don't shout it out. But I didn't. Clearly, I thought it was just for making, like, yellow mustard or something. I, I have no idea what it was for. But mustard seeds and the oil that it produces was traditionally used to relieve muscle pain, rheumatism and arthritic pain. Just when we thought we got the whole picture, the whole point of what Jesus wanted to say through that story. He blows us away with one more layer because maybe your faith today isn't for faith's sake. Maybe your seed of faith could be used to relieve the pain you feel inside and the pain you see in others. Maybe today the fears that have sat at the roots of the doubts that you've held on to your entire life could start to get pulled up and brought into the light. I'm not saying you have to solve all your doubts today and just believe. All I'm saying is that what if you took a chance? You might not see the fruit right away, but it doesn't mean there's not growth. God is a good gardener. He knows how to make stuff grow, and he is a good father. And he promises, he promises that if you plant a few seeds of faith in some good dirt, he will make it grow. We're going to get ready for worship now. Would you stand with me so I can pray for you? God, we know that you are the good gardener and the good father. You're the one who can take our our little seed today that that, uh, to us feels maybe really, really significant. Because it's the biggest thing we've ever offered you. Or to others, it may just feel like, well, what is this even worth? But God, you see the value because you see the value in small things. And you are trying to teach us today that it's not about trying hard to grow these things. It's not about trying hard to be faithful, gritting our teeth. God, it's about turning it over to you, putting it in the ground and seeing what you could do. So the seeds that were planted right now, the text messages that were sent in right now, the the, opt-ins, the opportunity that we all have this week, would you... Carry that through. Help us to engage with it and to engage with you now as we hear of your promises and so on. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen, Amen. that's right.
0: time again. You have prove it. They'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come in the
1: seat, Uh, we're going to continue to respond and worship God through communion. It's a chance for us to go back and remember all that God's done for us. And as we do, let me just share this with you. It says, because of the Lord's great love for us, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Right now, here today, we are experiencing this incredible love of God, this incredible faithfulness of God, and we are not consumed which is an incredible thing to be thankful for. And so we go back and we take communion. We get to remember that and say thanks. Hopefully when you came in, you grabbed one of these. If you're online with us, now would be a good time to grab some crackers and juice, join along with us. But let's take a moment just to be grateful and to say thanks to Jesus. I'll come back out in a few moments and we'll take communion together. Bible tells us that every time we eat the bread, and every time we drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Friends, the body of Christ given for you, take and eat. Now the blood of Christ shed for you, take and drink. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to say thank you, God, for stepping into our world, for saving us from our sin, for proving your faithfulness to us. And God, as we leave here today, God, help us to find those moments where we just need to be courageous and live into that faith. God, you've been faithful to us. And so we pray, God, that that courage would help in moments where we doubt. God, in moments of fear, remind us that you are with us and that you are not against us. Thank you for loving us so much like you have. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Everyone said, amen. Hey, as you leave today, don't forget you can grab one of those lists. We'd love for you to participate in our annual baby drive. Uh, We've got some friends out there at our Next Steps booth. If you're curious to take a new step with us, we'd love to talk with you, have some conversations. Uh, You can just stop at our Next Steps booth as you leave. Why don't we stand up together? As you do, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may He turn His face towards you and grant you peace this day and forevermore. Amen. Have a great weekend. See you next time.